Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 180. Today is March 30th, 2016. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. In today's episode, I want to focus on advice to the young entrepreneur and, you know, maybe even some of you that are not so young. You're going to want to stick around and listen to this episode. Before we get started, just get a little housekeeping items out of the way. First off, this month was my birthday. Many of you sent birthday greetings to me. I appreciate that. I also appreciate those of you that have gone out and made an effort to put ratings and reviews over in the iTunes store. That's a big help to the podcast. I appreciate you for doing that. I do read each and every one of those. I try and take that advice and do what I can to make these episodes better for you. I also read each and every one of the emails and responses that you send me. But I apologize up front. I just don't have the time to reply to everyone. So if you want to get me a message, you can either either do that through the firm's website, investablewealth.com, if it kind of relates to firm business, or if it's something specific to the podcast, you can do that over at wealthsteading.com. Again, I read all those. I appreciate the feedback. And in fact, today's episode is based on those very comments and questions that you and the listening audience have sent in to me about being an entrepreneur, about starting a business. And many of you are young. And when I say young, I mean in your maybe 20s, early 30s. But if you're an entrepreneur of any nature, then you're really young at heart. Uh, If you remember my particular situation, I didn't start my own company until I was in my early 50s. So for those of you that maybe you're going to be at the current job that you're going to be at, whether it be a large corporation or a small family business where you're just an employee, you're going to be there for a considerable amount of time, that doesn't mean that you can't think like an entrepreneur Because at the end of the day, I think that's what we all are. We are all ultimately self-employed. We just don't know it. So even if you're an employee, think in terms of being an entrepreneur. Think in terms of creating products and services that are wanted needed by customers. In your particular case, maybe your one customer is just your employer. If up to this point you haven't started developing that entrepreneurial mindset, you really need to do it because as we move into the future, and this is going to happen rapidly, there's going to be so much changes to the job market and advances with things like artificial intelligence and improving technologies, advanced automation, all those kind of things are going to drastically change the way we work and the way we're employed. And so the more that you think of yourself as a free agent entrepreneur, I think the better you're going to be able to survive the next, you know, five to 10 years. Ah, but in any case, I'm digressing. I don't want to go that route for now. In this episode, let's just focus on advice that I would give a young entrepreneur if I took them into some type of a mentoring program. Now I'm going to move quickly here and I'm going to cover about probably eight different items and they're going to be of a general nature because I don't know what's specifically right for you. It's different for for each individual or for what your particular talents and abilities are. So I'm just going to run down this list. Again, it's about eight items. I'm going to keep it at a fairly high level. But think of the things that apply to you. You know, glean the important things that matter to where you are in that particular stage of building your business and of being an entrepreneur. Even if you're just thinking about it at this point, which I know many of you are, take this list and try and turn it into action items. Okay, so here they are. Item number one get started. The hardest thing to do in any endeavor is to get started. We get held back and paralyzed either because we're fearful or we feel inadequate or, you know, there's just a matter of security that we're going to give up. Well, that's always going to be the case. There's always going to be uncertainty. You're never going to be able to do things perfectly. So just get started and get started in steps. 
If you don't know what you want to do, well, first come up with a concept, right? Now you're getting started. If you've already got a concept, well, maybe now it's time to go out and start putting the legal things in place, you know, forming an LLC or an S-Corp or whatever's appropriate for your business. The point is, just go get started. And wherever you're at, start taking the next step. Just go get started. If you don't know the legal structure that you need to do to create your business, well, you know, read about it. Go hire an attorney. If you don't know what you need to do from a tax standpoint, well, study about it and then go hire a CPA. If you want to start a restaurant and, you know, you're just at that point where you're still in the development stage, you're not sure exactly how you want to run it or what you want to do, well, maybe you should go get a job working in the evenings part-time for another restaurant. Learn the industry. Whatever it is, just go get started. Get up off your duff and go do something. Now, the second item is very much related to that first item. And the second piece of advice I'd give to you is don't worry about just being the status quo. It's okay when you first start out to be like a Me Too type product or service. If you want to be an author, the chances of you writing the great American novel on your first time are fairly slim, right? So it's okay to write something that's something less than that. The status quo is okay. If you're going to start a restaurant, well, again, borrow from some other concepts that are out there. You know they're working. They're in business. So that's something that you can apply in your own life. The status quo is good enough when you're first starting. If that's all you have to work with initially, that's fine. That second step that you need to take is the realization that the status quo will at least get you in the game. You don't want to reinvent the wheel or the next best smartphone or, or whatever it is. And speaking of smartphones, just think back to Apple. What are we? We're getting ready now to come up with what the Apple Seven. Well, when Apple launched the first cell phone, uh, I don't know, two thousand five, two thousand six. It really wasn't that long ago. I know it seems like we've had them forever, but it's only been about a decade. They didn't wait until they had the perfect smartphone, and that's true of technology companies in general. They always launch the software or the hardware, even though it's not perfect. Right, They come out with a beta version and then the main version and then it's 2.0 and they're always improving it. It's getting better with each different iteration. If Apple waited until they had the perfect iPhone, they would have never gotten to the perfect iPhone because they wouldn't have known what it would take to get there. This is the same thing with the business that you're going to start. Start with the idea you have. Start with the status quo. It's all about creating products and services that people are buying. It's that simple. Look around where you live, look around in the network of friends that you have and the beauty of today and why it's never been easier or better to build a business or to be an entrepreneur is because now we have the internet and the internet has uh, in itself gone through enough iterations where you don't have to be able to program in Java or be some super developer to use the internet to, to literally reach hundreds of millions of people. Distribution now is literally almost free. So your market as an entrepreneur is just not your neighborhood or the small community you live in or the small amount of people that you see personally on a daily basis. It's literally global. And what you need to do is just figure out how to take advantage of that. What products and services can you offer to the literally hundreds of millions of people that you can contact either through your daily personal interaction or by leveraging your social network with the aid of the Internet? Take that concept and run with it. Remember, the status quo is okay, for now anyways. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Come up with a product or service that's similar to something that's already being offered. 
Throw it out there. See if anybody's going to buy it from you. If they do, reiterate it. Make it better. Take it to new clients. Take it to new geographic locations. If you found a product that people like in Bangladesh, well, maybe they'll like it in Boston. Or if there's a product that you can purchase that's made in Vietnam, well, maybe you can figure out how to put together a distribution system and sell it in Vermont. Start with what you have. The status quo is okay. Just go out there and get started. Now, the third step I want to talk to you about is all about lifestyle. And this is related to the part about the status quo where I said, you know, initially it's okay just to do what other people are doing. And the reason for that is, is in step three, you're going to focus on the particular lifestyle that you want to have as an entrepreneur. And you're different than literally everybody on the face of the earth today or anybody that's ever been born before you or anybody that's going to come after you. And so take that status quo type product or service that you initially come up with and use your life experiences, use your talents and abilities to make it better, to make it unique, to market it in a different way. Do it all based on you and your lifestyle and the lifestyle that you want to develop for yourself. The beauty about being an entrepreneur is the freedom that comes with it. Both the financial freedom if you're successful as well as the personal freedom that comes about because the business you're creating is literally an extension of you. That's why I created this Wellsteading podcast. That's where I came up with the whole concept of Wellsteading. It's about using your money and your assets to get out of slavery, to live a free and independent lifestyle, a lifestyle that's not only financially independent, but a lifestyle that's personally independent. The sky's the limit. You can live where you choose. You can interact with the type of people you want to have contact with. If you make the business mimic the lifestyle that you want to lead, then you'll never feel like you're getting up every day going to work because you'll just be getting up every day and you'll be living your life. And by living your life, it will create products and services to fill the niche that you're servicing. And so by simply living your life in the manner that you choose to, you'll be creating an income stream because other people will want to buy those products and services that you're offering. So that's why in step two, I said it was okay to start out with a status quo because in step three, when you're focusing on the lifestyle, you're going to focus on what's unique about you and how you can take any product or service and differentiate it to create the type of enterprise that's unique to you. Now, the fourth step that I want to talk to you about is very much related to the aspect of, of the lifestyle that you want to have, and that's about creating a business that's scalable. So step number four is think about scale. You're going to start out probably as a solo practice or as a company of one. It's going to be just you in the beginning. You're going to build this around a product or service that might be mundane. It might be status quo. It might be something that's already offered, but you're going to get out there and get started with it. You're going to be adapting it to that lifestyle that you want to lead and taking your unique talents and abilities and shaping and forming that product or service. Now, the point about scale, and this is really what differentiates someone that's truly an entrepreneur and someone that's truly going to have financial and personal independence, and that's that it isn't going to be all about you someday. The whole point of building your business is that you're developing an enterprise that can at some point operate without you. Even though you're building it around your unique personality and your abilities, someday you're not going to be on this earth. You're going to be gone. 
And if that enterprise is to continue without you here, then you have to put procedures and methods in place so that it's scalable and so that it can work when you're not around. The reason that scalability is so important is if you're truly going to become financially and personally independent, that business has to be able to run even when you're not working because that business is going to be functional 24-7 and you don't want to run yourself into the ground working nonstop because you're not working for the money, you want the money to work for you. And so as you're creating this business, always think about scale. Down the road, you're gonna to have to have other employees or other systems in place, some type of automation to work around the clock so that you don't have to. You're leveraging your initial idea or concept. And then as it scales, as it gets larger with additional employees or with automated systems, you profit from that productivity. That makes you not only financially independent, but since it frees you up to do other things, it makes you lifestyle independent. So item number four is very important. Always think about scale. In Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of his habits was start with the end in mind. So items three and four here are very much intertwined, and you want to start with them up front. You want to start with the end in mind, you want to develop a lifestyle business that's geared to the way that you want to live and then also that's scalable so that the business can become more productive and be more profitable and can eventually work without you having to be there. Start with that end in mind, even if it's going to take you years or decades to get there. Since your business model is unique to you, I can't give you specific advice, but just think in terms of scalability. You want to grow this business and have it adapt to new situations so that if you try something and it doesn't work, you can just move on from there and try something else. Offer a different product or offer a different service. Think of that scalability in terms of modularity. You're starting off initially, maybe it's just you or maybe it's you and your spouse or you and a partner. So you have one or two modules where you or your partner, you're doing all the work. Well, the next phase of that is to break off and create a third module. Maybe you hire an outside salesperson, or maybe you're hiring someone to do the production work. Whatever it is, you know, you're creating that third module. If it doesn't work, you can change it. But every day, every week, every month and year with your business, you want to advance the ball. You want to keep expanding those modules, making your business scale larger and larger so that you're creating more of a revenue stream so that you can glean more of a profit. And you're going to do that not only by growing the structure of your company, but also by improving the product or service that you offer. That's why I said in step one, it's initially important just to get out there and get started. Step two, status quo, that's okay. Initially, just do what other people are doing. The market will tell you where you're going to be rewarded for your unique talents and abilities. That's where that lifestyle part comes in. Then you need to think about the scalability of it because you don't want to be doing all the work yourself for the rest of your life. Those four initial steps that I just talked about are the basic fundamentals and foundation that you need to do to become an entrepreneur and to start your enterprise. And in fact, if you just did those four things, you'd be more successful than most businesses out there because they generally don't even do all four of those. So if you're just starting out, if maybe you're just in that concept stage, start with those four ideas. Now I'm going to go on here. I'm going to talk about four other things, but these last four items are more like icing on the cake. They're going to take you from being good to being great. Okay, so item number five, 
you want to develop a progressive risk mitigation strategy. And what I mean by that is that you want to take profits along the way and create a structure where every endeavor you expand into is less and less risk of the net worth that you're creating. I didn't talk about that in the first four items because that's not something you can do when you're just starting out and you're bootstrapping yourself. You know, if all you have to put into your business is $500, then that's all you have. Or maybe you have more means and you're willing to put up $30,000. But you know, this is all or nothing type money. You have the dream of being an entrepreneur. You're going to create a product or service that you think that you can sell in your community and throughout your network. And so you're willing to put your $500 at risk or your $30,000 at risk, you know, whatever capital you have. When you first start out, you have to be willing to bet the farm. You have to be willing to mortgage everything. That's what you need to do initially to get successful. And generally, the reason you're doing that is because you don't have very much to start out with anyways. So if you put up that first $500 and you lose it all, well, no big deal. It was $500. Yeah, if you put up $10,000 and it, it fails or whatever, well, still, it was only $10,000. You can always figure out a way to generate another $10,000 or $30,000. It's not the end of the line. So initially, when you're starting out with these smaller sums of money, it's okay to throw it all out there and put everything you have into it. Put all your eggs in one basket and make it work. You don't have any other choice. But as you're building that business and as it's scalable and as you're bolting on more and more modularity your business, you're hiring other employees, you're taking on another partner, as you take each of those new steps, you never want to bet it all again. As your business grows and as it becomes more profitable, you have to start employing risk mitigation strategies. You don't want to bet the farm on every application. You don't want to totally mortgage your house just to expand into a different market. You see, in the early stages, you had to do that because you had a small amount and you were willing to risk it all. Well, now you've built up quite a nice little nest egg or a very good little enterprise, and you don't want to lose it all just because you make one bad decision. And you are going to make bad decisions. In the early stages, when you lost your $500 or your initial $2,000, that was okay. That was tuition money. But now as you've grown that business, as you've put all that sweat equity into it, as you've developed these systems and these employees to make your efforts even more productive, now you're talking about an enterprise that's maybe worth hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars. And you don't want to lose all that overnight on one bad decision because you can't put it all back together very easily like you could if it was only a $2,000 loss. So as you become successful, as you expand beyond those four initial steps, start thinking about risk mitigation strategies and make them progressive. When I say progressive, I mean that they adapt and they modernize. And with each iteration of your business, every time you take on an additional risk, the incremental potential loss to your business gets reduced. That's important not only in building your business, but you hear me talk about similar types of strategies when I'm investing in stocks. Now, item number six, this really doesn't have to do with directly with business, but it has to do with your overall happiness. It's more esoteric. But for item number six, as we just thought about risk mitigation strategies from a business perspective, I want you to think about your personal life. And item number six is that you don't want to sacrifice important things. And I don't know what's important to you, but what I mean by that is you don't want to sacrifice important things, maybe like your health or important things like your family. You're building a business, you're an entrepreneur, you're building this enterprise, but you don't want to do it if it's degrading your health. 
You don't want to do it if it means that you're going to lose contact with your children or it's going to drive your spouse to want to get a divorce. So item number six, very important. Don't sacrifice those things that are important to you just for the sake of the business. Item number seven, and this is something that most small business people never think of, and this is that you need to develop an exit strategy. This kind of goes along to items number three and four, where we talked about developing the business around your lifestyle and then making it scalable so that you didn't have to be there every day to run the business. Well, ultimately, you want an exit strategy out of this business. Even if it's where you just become the chairman of the board and so you can go out and do bigger things and you have executives in place that run the business for you day to day, that's one type of an exit strategy. Another exit strategy would be maybe you develop this business so that you can sell it. And again, you're an entrepreneur. Just because you sell this business doesn't mean that you're going to retire. Maybe you're going to take the funds and the proceeds from your first business. You're going to sell it and you're going to go on and start your second business. But whatever it is, you need an exit strategy. And as I said earlier, there's a lot of different ways to look at this. There's a lot of different ways that you may want to exit the business. Ultimately, as I said before, though, you are someday going to exit this earth. And so by definition, you're going to be exiting your business. You need to have some type of contingency plans in place place. You're building this enterprise. It's going to be of great value. You need to make sure that you can either sell that someday so that you benefit from all your hard work or so that it can be sold and the proceeds from that can go to your heirs or to the charity of your choice or whatever you want to do with it. But having an exit strategy is extremely important. It's not something you're going to think about in the early stages of your business. You can remember, you're going to be focusing on creating the products, making the lifestyle business, getting it scaled up, but eventually down the road, start developing that exit strategy, particularly if you're a small solo practice and down the road you want to sell that business. Well, don't wait until you're 70 years old to think about that. Start putting those things in place, you know, five to 10 years before you're ready to exit that business. Finally, now that brings us to item number eight, and this is advice that I would not only have for the young entrepreneur, but really for everybody out there in the well-steading audience. You know, I'm constantly hearing from people that are looking to make money in the stock market, whether they're just initially learning how to do it or perhaps they have a large portfolio they're trying to manage and, you know, they hear the techniques and the swing trading methods that I use and they, they really get neurotic about things and they, they want to know, well, when I talk about the 50-day moving average, do you sell if, it, if the stock just breaks the 50-day moving average or do you wait a day or three days or do you wait 1% or 2.5%? Well, these things are all techniques and they're things that you develop over time and none of them are right in every situation. That's why, you know, many, many episodes ago, I had a, a podcast where I talked about the best stock trading strategy is the one that works for you. It doesn't matter what I'm doing or what Warren Buffett's doing. It's, it matters what you're doing and what you're comfortable doing. You have to do things and develop procedures and methods that work for you. And that's especially important for you young entrepreneurs that are going out and starting a business. And so what I want to tell you, this eighth step is it's not about all the procedures. It's not about the all the seven things I just talked about. The eighth step is about have fun. Go out there, enjoy yourself. Remember, you don't want to work for your money. You want your money and your assets to work for you. That's a key concept of wealth setting. Enjoy yourself. Build your financial freedom. Build your financial independence. You know all the metaphors. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's not necessarily about what you end up either. It's about enjoying the travels along the way. So item number eight is enjoy yourself. 
go out and have fun. Don't worry about all the things that are out of your control that you can't do anything about. Just go enjoy yourself. <laughs>